0: This is Barack Lurie, and this is the Barack Lurie Podcast. Always a pleasure. With me, of course, is my producer and friend, Ari David. Uh, today, you sent me a very cute and very funny uh, email where um, it's, uh, there was a bumper sticker, and it purported to be a, a dad who was a member of a group called Dads Against... A daughter is dating Democrats, or D-A-D-D-D. <laughs> and I I loved it. I thought it was so funny, right? But then I thought, and, and this is why, I, and I told you I was going to bring this up because it actually has some meaning to it. Um, it. As a as a dad, you know, I think it's fair to say all dads worry about their daughters, right? And like, oh, you know what dogs men can be, and you want to protect your daughters, Right. Because they're all about love, and you know, you know how men, you know, use love in order to get what they want. I know and, what
1: I think, and, 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 and I know what other guys think. Right. I don't want anyone thinking
0: what I that's think right. about right. my daughter. You, you want to save your daughter from yourself, Somebody right. just like you. Exactly. That's right. So, um, and, and that's why people, so, so many people say when they have a lot of daughters, it's it's uh, all about karma, right? I mean, that's the old joke, but but, I, but that's not really where I'm going. What I'm saying is that, in, as a dad, all of us. Whether you're liberal or conservative You should want your daughter to date a conservative (laughs) Some guy who expressly announces that he is conservative And he believes in conservative values
1: And has a large gun collection Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's the guy you want Okay, Why? Why do I say that? Because it means that he has standards it means he understands what family is all about, the importance of family. That he'll stand up for family. It means he'll protect your daughter, and he has a, he has a sense that it's his obligation to protect and provide for your daughter, right? And it means it means that he has a sense of continuity and uh, that he has a sense of hard work. That's what we conservatives stand for, right? So, I, I mean, it's all joking aside. I think. You should want you should be thrilled your your daughter is dating a conservative. Now you may not believe in exactly the same things, but from a standpoint of just your your selfish interest as a dad to make sure that your daughter is going to be treated really well, or at least better chance, go for the conservative guy. okay? You can argue with him at Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's That's what you can do. But um, that, that, I just thought it was a kind of a funny moment to, to describe that. Now, the liberal will listen and say, what are you talking about? I, I, I care about my daughter, too, and I, I want to make sure that he's a stand-up guy. And that, but, but my response to that is, why? Why? If, if, you, if you believe in Social Security and you believe in welfare and you believe in affirmative action and you believe that uh, you know minimum wage and all the things that you guys profess to love, well, then... You know, if if a guy comes in and he's got tattoos and he says, hey, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm collecting uh, disability, for example, and I'm on food stamps, what's the problem? Well, You know, do you disrespect him? And then he'll say, the liberal will say, no, just because I say that that, that should be available to those who are less fortunate than us doesn't mean that I, I want to be like those people. Mm, not so fast. Not so fast. Standards are what it's all about. And the critical thing about standards is... That you, you expect people to be responsible for their own actions. And that's what we're talking about here. And a conservative guy, if he's truly conservative, will uh, act to be responsible for his own actions. He will demonstrate that. And um, somebody who espouses a whole bunch of government programs is somebody who does not believe as much as you and I do in personal responsibility. That's the key. All right. Anyway, so thank you very much for that email I thought it was hysterical Dads against daughters dating Democrats I love it um, By the way, you also gave me a very good suggestion the other day Which is, you know for, for those conservatives like me Who are married to people that may be liberal May be Democrats Or just somebody who doesn't believe in um, guns in the house Okay, my, my, my wife is such a person She does not like the idea of having guns in the house you came up with a brilliant idea, and I want to announce it here, which is buy an American flag, a noticeable big American flag, and hang it as you do off of the, your house. You know, next to the door. Next to the, the door, door, right? Evil, yeah, right. we've seen that homes even here in Los Angeles. You know, from time to time, you'll see a house that has an American flag. That's uh, I mean, you know, once
1: in a rare, rare. One. <laughs> that's right.
0: Once every five miles, you'll yes. see one. Right. So anyway, but, but but be that once every five miles, all the better. And and why? Because, as Ari explains, because uh, any would-be thief will assume, probably incorrectly, but he'll assume all the same, that you've got a gun in that house. Because, by golly, you're pro-American and you believe in America. And that might also mean that you believe in the Second Amendment.
1: Well, actually, I've heard, it's actually rightly, studies have shown. And, you know, people in that business are big on numbers and studies and statistical analysis because that's their job. Yeah. Uh, as as wrong as it is, it has been proven that people with American flags on their houses are more likely to be gun owners.
0: Yeah, well that that makes sense. Those who don't. Yeah, no, that, that and definitely if you're makes a sense.
1: home invader type, if that's your chosen profession, and yes, I am judging. <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: that's some judgmental.
1: They've learned that, and you know that's what they teach them in that uh, criminal school they call uh, prison.
0: Right. That's very interesting. Well, you know what? It it, it makes total sense. It's one of those common sense things that that, uh, you you would apply. Um, Anyway, so uh, another thing you can do, of course, is uh, put up a sign saying... um, NRA? Yeah, NRA. You know, don't like guns? Don't have one. You know, (laughs) one of of those things. You know, which means that you've got a gun. You know, you're making your point.
1: This house is protected by the Second (laughs) Amendment.
0: Someone who's a good shot. Yeah, this house is protected by Smith and Wesson. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, you can do, you can do these things. Um, okay, so that's, that's the kind of fun part of the, uh, the show. And, and now I want to delve down to something that uh, deals actually a little bit like, like this, because about standards we're talking about. Right now we are still in the throes of the uh, uh, Israel-Gaza war, which is um, now proceeding into its 16th or 17th, 17th day. Israelis are doing pretty well. Uh, they're clearing out the tunnels. The uh, Hamas bad guys are retreating. Uh, they're not even... They're, 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 so soldiers are now able to go in building to building without uh, sudden uh, explosions or with booby traps and such like that. Um, the morale of the uh, uh, the bad guys, meaning Hamas, is, uh, is actually lowering quite a bit because they can't seem to get uh, the Israelis to... To engage in the slaughtering of uh, kindergartners that they they imagine in their heads that the Israelis are going to do. And they don't have the the photo ops that they they really want. So things are not working as planned. And the
1: Israelis aren't caving to the American and international pressure like they planned.
0: That's right. So, um, and this is what we talked about before at some point, where we said, you know, the one good thing about this particular conflict is the Israelis know going in that they cannot count on Obama. So this is not a question of worrying whether or not the government will, the, the American president will somehow turn his um, or flip his decision or change his mind on the issue and then suddenly demand a, an immediate turnaround on the war. No, they know that Obama doesn't like the war from the get-go. So, uh, and and Israel is saying, we're going we're to do it right now, whether you like it or not. I don't care how many times you tell us to stop. We're going we're to go until we, we've got to stop. Uh, and, and until we decide it's safe for us to stop. And God bless Israel for doing that. It's uh, This is a question of right and wrong and good versus evil. And it's as plain as day, plain as day. Um, one of the things, and this is kind of the big picture thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Here, here it is. When we think about Israel versus Gaza or Israel versus the, its Arab enemies, we think... Uh, as many people want to uh, proclaim, that these are just two different peoples, um, even though they share a lot of the similar genes, as it were. They, they, they make a lot of a lot of people go out of their way to say that these are really the same race.
1: The descendants of Shem. As the, the, yeah, the
0: descendants it. of Shem. Um, and whether they're right or wrong is another story, but let's but they, they go out of their way to say this, and how could they be fighting? And then, at the same time, they, they, they accuse... Israel of racial profiling Like, well, wait a minute Either you're the same race or you're not So, uh, you know, you can't racially profile When you're Yourself? You're, you're the same You're the same race I mean, it, At least, it. I guess, I suppose you could uh, A black could be racist against another black For example
1: But a
0: racist You know, you could be racist against your own people I suppose, but it, it, it still You know, it, it takes a lot of the teeth Out of the argument, let's put it that way Okay, so so you get this image from the, let's say, the, the standpoint, imagine going to the head of a of a demonstrator who loves Hamas or who, who feels that Israel's is the aggressor and they're an occupier and they're trying to annex more land and they're a colonialist. Get into that head for a second. So what you think is that these Palestinians and the Arabs, generally speaking, that these are just people that want you know, a steady life, and they want to grow their lives too, uh, and they want to progress, and they want to send their kids off to college, and, you know, they, they want to have a little retirement nest egg, just like you and I do, just like you and I. The, the truth is, sadly, that it's not the case. The, the, these are wildly different cultures, my friends, wildly. We have a, uh, as a good friend of mine, my, my rabbi, Rabbi Brendan Gaines, he's a brilliant man, Uh, and he explains that the culture of death that we are seeing—it's not, you know—it's we always talk talk about the culture of death, right? It's, and it's—it's an accurate description. You know, the the famous line is, "They love they love death, we love life."
1: More than we love life is the
0: same. Yeah, yeah, they love death more than we love life, so it's even more extreme than that. It's. uh, you know, and, and you can't disagree with that, my friends. You can't claim that's a generality. This is what they themselves argue, and they argue it against us to say we will prevail because we love death more than you love life, and therefore, you know, that's that's a recipe for victory, as as far as they see it, right? So, but it's not. It doesn't stop just there. It goes far deeper, Ari, far, far deeper. It goes into the trenches of their entire culture. When you love death and embrace death, that you also embrace violence to get your way. You embrace hatred. As Rabbi Gaines said very clearly, their hate is so endemic in the culture. It is not just taught in the schools to hate against Israel, but to hate even within their own little groups, whether it's Shia or Sunni or this group or that group, this tribe versus that tribe. There is hate just running amok in the Palestinian territories and the Arab world, generally speaking. It is so wildly crazy over there. You and I, you know, when we talk about hate, we think about, oh, I don't know. I, I,
1: we, the Dodgers and the Giants. The Lakers <laughs> and the
0: Celtics. Yes, I guess uh, I'm not going there.
1: Democrats <laughs> and Republicans. Yeah, right. you
0: know? No, but, but, but we, we think of hate, we think of like... Uh, You know, the time that we'll truly hate. I mean, putting the joking aside. Charles Manson. Right. Uh, Well, if if you were to, if your family was victimized by by Charles Manson, you could truly hate Charles Manson and you say, I want this man to die. I want him to be dismembered. Got it, right? But even that level of hate is nowhere close to the hate that so many, not everyone, but so many in the Arab world, Express not only toward Israel, but among themselves. It is so deep uh, and it's so much higher than the hate that we just described against Charles Manson, the hypothetical hate against Charles Manson, that we, we can't even fathom it. The, craze, the crazed hate that, that, that motivates them, that moves them forward. And, and what I wanted to, to describe it as it's a hate that, that we can't even understand. And the way I describe it is it's like fire. You know, Fire, can, fire needs to, to burn, right? If you, if you don't have something to burn, it's going to go out. That's, that's the way fire works. So it has to be fed all the time. Hate has to be fired. Uh, has to be fed. And you have to give yet another example, uh, another target to hate, whether that's Israel or somebody else. The reason why Israel's in the news it's because it's Israel. But they, they hate each other. Like you wouldn't believe Anyway, I I think you were going to say something Well, uh,
1: it reminds me of a line I believe it was from Leon Yuris' book The Hajj Which is about the um, Arab side Of the Israeli-Arab conflicts It's about an Arab family That goes through the Israeli um, Founding in Mm -hmm. the 1940s And there's an amazing line And I don't remember who speaks it But it, it embodies exactly what you're saying Which is this And A member of one of the Arab clans is saying It's not that we hate the Jews Although we do The way our culture is based is It's me against my brother And I hate my brother And it's me and my brother against the family And it's me and my family against the clan And it's our clan against the tribe And it's our tribe against the other tribe And it's the tribes against the nation And it's the nations Of, in this case of Islam uh, Against the world Or or it's, it's the nation against Islam itself, and then it's our Islamic culture against the world. Meaning, it doesn't matter if you take away the great Satan or the little Satan. It doesn't matter if you eliminate every infidel or apostate. It doesn't matter if you eliminate every perceived enemy of those who speak like that on their side. They will find someone else, like you're saying, to feed that into that fire, including their own brothers, their own wives, their own daughters, everyone. And that's why the feudalism, the not, not feudalism from, say, medieval Europe, but the feudalism of having constant feuds within, without the family, the tribe, the culture, will exist there even after all the enemies are removed. The, the entire culture is based on the idea of consumption in, in flame. It will consume itself in a pill of fire until no one's left. Right. That's how it's designed.
0: It, it, and how do you unravel that? Yeah. I mean, it, by the way, the and way. Let you me
1: d- just add one thing, which I think is important from our perspective, yeah. and I'm not moral equivalent on this. I don't hate these people, even though they are our adversaries. When I know this about them, and I found this very enlightening, I feel nothing but pity for them. Right. I pity
0: people who right. grow oh, in that. Oh, of course. They are in a hurricane. I mean, would you hate a hurricane? No. You have to deal with a hurricane, but you don't hate the hurricane. You know, they've created a culture. I mean, they, they you know, the person who's born today didn't create it, right? He's just living in that culture that was created, and it's a, it's a culture of hate. And as you said it so well, the quote from the Hajj is, I think I actually recall that, is so well, such a great articulation of what is what and we fail to realize that this is the actual dynamic of what's going on it's not a function of two different cultures one jewish and one muslim that where you know they both happen to want the same things and it's just this big misunderstanding like a like an episode of three's company or something no it's it's not like that it's not it this is a it's a foundational thing that is so full of hate that it's almost impossible to unravel and, and you might as well try to say That we, we could stop a hurricane You just can't you can, only, you can only respond to it You can only batten down the hatches as it were That's, that's, where, you, that's where you go and you, So you need to understand who your enemy is And by the way I took a little heat uh, For my comment on the Sunday show Where I said And it was only a little bit of heat Where I said uh, look under any product Right where it says you might see it says made in China, made in South Korea, made in Mexico, right? Made in the USA. But you almost will never turn over a product, and find that it says made, made in, in Syria. I was just going to say made in Syria or Saudi Arabia or whatever. You you it, it's I can't think of any. I'll allow for that possibility, but I just I've never seen one. I've actually looked for it, and. And I took some heat for that because people said, what, are you saying that they're not uh, capable of these things? And and my answer to them is, I'm not saying they're not capable. I think they're fully capable. The problem is that they just don't do it. They're not producing for society whatsoever.
1: Well, and, and I picked the word Syria, that nation in particular, because the person who I think is the greatest inventor of all time, if at least modern history, is of Syrian descent. Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs. Yeah. yes. Yeah. But nothing about Syrian culture, had he been born there and lived there, would have ever allowed him to be who he was. Right. Our culture, the Western culture, however flawed, allowed Steve Jobs to be Steve Jobs with the genetic makeup of a Syrian man. Right. It really shows you yeah. there is hope for these people. They are not cursed the curse is the culture, the culture. Not, no, we, no, them, no, no, not their genetics.
0: N- not for a moment do, do we think this is genetic. I mean, as, as we started off in the beginning to say that there, you know, we'll, we'll even accept the, 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 uh, the argument that the, uh, the genes are the same as the Jews. Uh, they're not quite because there's been a lot of blending with the Europeans and such, but that's not the point. Uh,
1: by that, you mean being raped by Vikings? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but, but no, we, we blend it in with the European culture. And, uh, as, and and then continued our uh, traditions, so you see, um, that's why Ashkenazi Jews uh, tend to be a little bit lighter, and, and Sephardic Jews tend to be a little darker. But they, they they typically blended in with those cultures to some extent. And then surprise, surprise, you have these differences. But we're not going there. We're we're simply saying. You know, uh, it has nothing to do with genes. We know that. We know that they're. I mean, that this is this is an argument. We shouldn't be arguing what we're not, about what we're not arguing. Yeah,
1: right? you were talking in that case on the show about the economic systems that prevent people from being productive and being um, entrepreneurial.
0: Right. And, we're and simply saying we're, we're saying that it's the yes. culture that's inhibiting them. Look, it's it's like uh, uh, again uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Gaines brought up a great example of a story that he remembers. Uh, you know, uh, his his gardener. Without even realizing it, was telling him a fantastic um, uh, allegory or metaphor for uh, evil. And, you know, when, when bad things are happening, you need to weed it out. Evil are, is like the weeds in the garden, right? If you see uh, a, a beautiful garden, chances are there's been a gardener involved who has plucked out the weeds day after day after day right and then he's groomed it and then he's nourished it with water and the appropriate sunlight and food and and other you know accelerating food items um and but if you let it go if you don't do anything about it these weeds grow and they start choking off the the, the plants that you you love that surround those weeds and eventually the weeds conquer the the nice flowers the, the tree that you want to grow and imagine, if you will, a, a, a tree that you want it to grow and, and reach to the sky. Well, it'll never happen if you allow the weeds to envelop that tree. It, it can't do it. There won't be enough sunlight to let it grow. And this gardener didn't even realize that he was saying such a prophetic comment about really evil and good. Right? So. And and the rabbi took this all in and and realized, wow, this is a fantastic metaphor for the way evil works. If you let evil grow, it will not only strangle you, it will also overtake you at the end. Very soon, you won't recognize any of the flowers. It will only be weeds at the end of the day. That's the nature of nature. And evil uh, can only be conquered. If you don't conquer evil, evil will take over simply by virtue of passivity it's it is the natural state of affairs to have chaos right just like the gardener will tell you if you don't take care of the garden you will have weeds all over the place it'll be chaotic and messy simple so any beautiful garden that's the result of somebody taking care of it okay and that's what that's what israel is doing with these these monsters And these are really bad guys
1: And like the example from Uris About the The self-perpetuating machine Uh, Uris, the writer in the book The Hajj The Mm -hmm. the, me-against-my-brother statement If you think about Israel It's not just taking care of the weeds And the enemy It's the Jewish culture, the Western culture And the Christian culture All of which are in Israel Is a culture of order A culture where we manage our own heart, our own morality, and look for chaos within our hearts and try to manage it into order. You're not a perfect person. No, I mean you are, um, and my <laughs> wife is. I'm not. Uh, it's a constant struggle not to make some error during the day by just lapsing into. Negligence and not managing to make sure I'm making the very best decision every moment, and in a moment of, as they say, weakness, that's when you make those errors. That's the moment that the the chaos of the weed blooms and chokes off the good.
0: Right. And, yeah, and, it's and, true.
1: And The Jewish culture knows that.
0: It's uh, it's taken such hard work uh, in in the Jewish culture uh, and the Talmud and the Torah. There's so much wisdom there, and and. The understanding of how bad things can happen uh, How to avoid evil uh, To understand how to deal with evil I mean, I, I, for example, I have a much greater appreciation now Of, you know, one of the, one of the things that always gives um, a, a biblical reader some pause Is when you learn that Joshua That God commands Joshua and his army To totally annihilate Every single man, woman, and child who lives in Canaan, who is not actually converted to Judaism, has embraced God, just to totally annihilate them, including their livestock and their plants. And you think to yourself, "Well, that seems a little, a Hitlerian. little." It seems a little, uh, you know, totalitarian and, and destructive and fascistic and all the terrible things, genocidal. And and I and he explained, uh, my rabbi, that that. You know, we we, we think in ter- in today's terms. Uh, we think in in terms of you know, so many countries. We talk about the international community. When something bad happens, like the um, crashing of the Malaysian Airlines in Ukraine, it's it's a it's a novelty. It's it's unique. It's a unique moment, and and so the cameras, the news cameras, rush to it, right? And the norm is. You know, countries dealing with each other for business and everything else. You know, France dealing with America, America dealing with Canada, Canada dealing with Japan. And, you know, it's nice. It's nice.
1: Yeah, but we've come a long we've way. We've come a long way.
0: But that ain't the way it was, my friend.
1: 6,000 years ago.
0: Yeah, 6,000 years ago, what was happening was Solomon and Gomorrah in, in the most horrific fashion together. I mean, there was a reason why the Bible talks about flooding the earth uh, through the Noah story. Because it was so horrific, so contemptible that there was no uh, um, rehabilitation that God that could ever happen.
1: Yeah,
0: no redemption. No redemption. Yeah, Yeah. He didn't think that the the His people, the people He created, could could redeem themselves whatsoever. It had descended so horribly. And and even since that, since the flood, there was such there was such evil, but there was still uh, an ability to redeem. And that's that's where we are today. And back in the time of the Bible, uh, these people were slaughtering their babies. They were doing such horrific things to their own people. Uh, Cultures of hate, again, things that are so alien to you and me. So when people...
1: Yeah, we uh, lose touch that that was the natural way the weeds of the world grew.
0: Right. So when we we take uh, a pause, when we hear these stories, we're, in our own minds, playing this visual of... You know Joshua and his army slaughtering these people who were only you know collecting their laundry baskets and, and the clothespins from the dry you know from the clothes from the clothespins and, and uh, you know each one referring to each other you know in, in loving ways, it, it it just wasn't that way my friends. They they were eating each other's hearts. They were they were killing each other randomly. It it was a culture of pure death and evil. There was nothing nothing. Of any um, value, there was no redeeming value whatsoever to it, and and if, on the contrary, it was it was poisonous, and that's what God wanted out. He couldn't take it anymore. So, um, you know, having said that, it would be nice if we the little babies that they might have found had kept them. And just raise them as Jews, but that's another story altogether. Yeah, but I that was
1: again great point. It wasn't a twenty first century mentality,
0: right? That's not what they did. Yeah. So, so hate is what we're talking about, and it is so endemic. And what I'm trying to say is that the hate that we're seeing in the Arab world is so extensive, and it's it's so um, the found it's so foundational that I have to. Kind of adopt a very pessimistic tone i don 't know that we 'll ever be able to stop this this hurricane this This hurricane is an omnipresent hurricane, and all we can do is to maybe shut down the walls or build up the walls as much as possible so that the hurricane doesn 't attack us and and leave it at that um, and and that 's what we 're going to have to do. I hear another story uh, of a um, of a rabbi that uh was you know walking around in the uh, in Israel and unbeknownst to him he had wandered into Palestinian territory in the west Bank and he very quickly realized he had he had been in Palestinian ter- territory for about ten minutes it was a little bit lost he figured he could retrace his steps and, and stop going but he got very scared um and you know he was hiding decided to hide uh, a little bit and in that moment he saw uh a um, Four men chasing a woman Who was uh, you know, Cloaked in the appropriate garb the, the burka I suppose And she was running for her life And he saw These men descend upon her And push her down And the next thing he knew They were raising her head in their hands They had cut off her head And he gasped so hard He couldn't believe what he had seen and he 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 did find his way back he was unmolested fortunately for him and it changed him he said this is this was no problem at all for these people this was not a, a moment of, of great import this wasn't a great crime of any kind whatsoever to these people this this was the norm this is what they did
1: they didn't even stop and discuss it they acted they did it in a way like a musician playing a song they knew as if they had done it before with a lot of practice
0: yeah yeah, this is this is what they do. And, and it's uh, look, you know, we, we want to feel like you have to say the caveat, right, that, that this is not applicable to all the Arabs and not applicable to all the Muslim countries and such. And I'm sure that's that's a fair statement. But there's so many people who do do this that it's it gets you to the point of wondering whether there's any ability for this to ever get out of this muck. This, this mentality of me against my brother, my brother and I against our family, my family against the other families, uh, a group of families against the clan, and so on, like you just said. How do you un- unwind that mentality? How do you, how do you change somebody from, from understanding the world as an honor versus dishonor society, uh, honor versus shame, I should suppose I should say, to a, a society of uh, right and wrong?
1: forgiveness and justice. Right. How do you or, do that? Well, what's very interesting about that very story is that reveals the solution right there. Who were they killing? A woman. The reason they were killing a woman is because they know, and the reason all of the uh, anti-woman co- uh, parts of the culture are in place is they know without the women obeying, the culture goes on. If the women stop... And I'm not saying I know how to get them to stop submitting, uh, giving the stuff on, and passing on, etc., etc. Everything falls apart, and then the next generation will be okay. And the reason I say that is, uh, take your wife, take my wife. How do, does your wife and my wife raise their children? With love. The, based on what the whole family to brother to clan dynamic, you can see that... Love does not exist, mother to child, in that society. The women are terrified. They've been mutilated. They are living under a terror that when feminists talk about glass ceilings and equal pay for equal work right. and sexual harassment, it so makes the feminist movement
0: look petty, d- so petty,
1: idiot brain damage, right? Uh, beyond, beyond small. And once that chain of, of abuse is broken If it ever can be So a generation of Palestinian Or Arab or Syrian or Iraqi Or whatever children grow up
0: Loved by their mothers It will end immediately But that assumes that there's a culture of love in the first place uh, Look I'm, I'm I agree with you that if, if That could happen then that would happen it, it would happen But it's like saying you know if my grandmother had wheels She'd be a car right It's, it's not going to happen and you're talking about a completely different foundational thing. It's like trying to make uh, my, uh, my computer into an airplane. It, 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 you can't – they're two very different things. They, have, they, they operate in a whole different way. They're designed for a whole different system. You know. And, and as I think about it, um, and it makes me very sad, it, 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 the only answer for so many women in the Muslim world is escape. That's all they can do. Uh, yeah, well,
1: Arianne, that's what I was going to say yeah. is the solution.
0: Arian, here, say Ali, she did the only thing that she could do.
1: Bridget Gabriel, bought yor
0: All these kind of women. amazing women, uh, they needed to leave. And uh, Nona Darwish. The, the, these are incredible women, but, um, but incredible because they're just so gosh darn brave to leave. And they found a way. But in a way, it you know, reminds me of leaving the slavery uh, segment in the South, right? The Underground Railroad. As they called it, and you had to be pretty darn brave to to leave the the slave states and to escape to the north, and even then you had tremendous risk, right? You might be you know sent back. Um, So that's I think that's the strongest corollary to the woman in uh, the Arab world. And here's something that what you said about Leonurus and the Hajj and such it also explains the whole hate culture is so powerful. It's so part of the, the mother's milk. It's so endemic to the to and so controls the way they think about the whole world.
1: Yes, and exactly by the mother's bone, mm-hmm. because it comes for the mother.
0: Right. It's so endemic to the to the way they view the whole world that it explains finally to me something that I never could have, could understand. And that is when a a suicide bomber dies and the mother's happy about it. Yes. And and then now I understand. The reason why she's thrilled with it, she's really proud of it, is because, first of all, it brings honor to her and her family. So she likes that, I suppose. But she only wants hate, too. This is her. She, she, you know. This is what you do when you have a hate culture.
1: She you, hates her son for living. Right. Now that he's gone, I can finally love him. Right. Think about how profoundly right. twisted
0: that is. Yeah. Well, the, the the sons treat their mothers with such abuse anyway, as so many of them do. It's uh, there's no love in this in this culture. Not not what we're seeing in Hamas, at least. Let's we can I guess we can narrow it down to that for now. I think it extends beyond that, but good for today in Hamas.
1: Yeah, we are, we are speaking generally about the
0: right. There's no Hamas, there's no love in Hamas. Okay. There's you know to talk about. You know, it's, it's like, uh, I don't know, so many parts per, per billion of, uh, of arsenic, right? Um, I, I, wish you could, I wonder if you could do that in reverse, where there's so much parts per billion of love in a culture. I think there's zero parts per billion in the Hamas culture. And when you have that, there's no chance that it can grow and, and flourish. It, there's, there's no opportunity for it to multiply in any way. There's no example of love there. Who's going to be there to say, hey, we really ought to rethink our culture? Well, that person's going to die in moments. And, um, it, and everyone is – like it's like North Korea in that sense, right? I'm sure there are many people who would rather not be slaves in North Korea. But it's so endemic, and they're so worried about so many uh, spies and everyone spying upon each other. The whole network is designed in such a way that even if, even if there are a number of you who are like-minded and want freedom – you would never even dare to to say it. You
1: immediately get lynched and everyone watching cheers. That's right. That's what happens.
0: And and that's what we have in the Arab world and it's it's so sad to me. Um so when when you look at this uh, you know I guess that, that's how we'll wrap it up when you look at the Israel Hamas conflict right now. Please folks, do not think for a moment that this is a you know family versus family situation. Uh, This is just two cultures that are fighting each other, that just, there's a big misunderstanding going on. No, we're dealing, Israel's dealing with a hurricane. That's probably the best way to deal with it. And this hurricane is unpredictable. This hurricane is devastating. And this hurricane must be stopped. It's as simple as that. And that's why Israel is doing what it's doing. Folks, this is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening.